Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 off a mattress by going to casper.com forward slash brain. Use the code word brain during checkout to get the discount. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you even more annoyed when you're in the worst possible moment and someone comes along and says, Think positively! Denial is not a river in Egypt. It's in your mind, and you have access to it anytime you want. When you're feeling sad, think positively. When you're angry, think positively. When you've lost everything, don't ask why. Deny and think positively. Wow, you're a jewel of knowledge. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing that. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like a river in Egypt, then get ready to start creating the life you want now. Hello and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach and host of this show. This is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. And just a reminder, everything I talk about on this show should not be mistaken for actual medical advice or treatment and is intended to be for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical treatment. What you'll find here is an increase in your emotional intelligence, a strengthening of your self-worth and self-esteem, the motivation to be your authentic self, and the forward momentum to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. All right, if you've been listening a while, you probably know that every now and then I like to read the negative reviews of this show because I am all about full transparency. If someone says something bad about the show, I want to share it with you. I I want to give you the data so that you can do something with it and decide for yourself if this is the right show for you or not. So I realize that um, somebody might hear a review and go, oh my God, they, they're probably right. I better run away from this show. <laughs> and if you believe they're right, then you should do what you believe. What I do on the show is, is teach what I know and teach what I've learned and share my experiences uh, throughout life and the dysfunction that I experienced and some of the breakthroughs and of course, many of the breakdowns. I do it all and I'm as transparent as I can be with you so that you can decide whether you want to stay and listen or leave and never come back. It's completely up to you. That's why I promote critical thinking. You should always ask yourself questions and don't keep your mind closed about any show, including this one, because there is no one person that has every single answer for everyone, including me. (laughs) Yes, I admit it. I don't have all the answers, but I do know what I know and I know what I'm teaching. And when I teach, it's something that I've either researched or been through myself and tried on myself for sure. And so far, I've received 99.9% positive feedback saying, wow, this is great. This is what I needed. You saved my marriage. You saved my life. And on and on and on. I don't want to pat myself on the back right now, but (laughs) I'm going to make up for that right now, that patting on the back for a negative review that I'm going to read that came into iTunes. And I like to read these. Because I want you to make up your own mind about what this person says and think to yourself, I wonder if they're right. Maybe this information is not good for me. I want you to make that decision. I I never want to convince you to listen to this show. I don't want to come on here and market myself as a guru, as anything. I'm just a guy who went through a lot, learned a lot, healed from a lot, and passed through some pretty tough stuff a lot of challenges. And now I'm here to share with you what I did and what you can do to get through your challenges. So without further ado, I'm going to read you this negative review. It's a doozy. (laughs) This one is highly critical and uh, very specific. So let's see where we go with it. This is an iTunes review. This person gave me one star and put in all capital letters, stay away. (laughs) The reviewer is PBJ and Play. 
This person writes, please stay away from this podcast, especially if you're an abuse or trauma survivor. A woman with a narcissistic mother wrote in to ask for his help, and he was so dismissive of her pain. He literally said, what's the big deal? I emphasize that on purpose. (laughs) What he meant is, some of the mother's narcissistic behavior is not that big of a deal, and it's coming from a deeply wounded place in the mother. So just take the high road and ignore it. I don't think this woman would have bothered writing to him if she wasn't in pain. In fact, the woman poured her heart out in the letter and was so vulnerable about her pain. Her mother had allowed her husband to abuse the daughter when she was growing up. And the host stood up for the mother. He offered no empathy or support to the daughter. All he did was shovel a bunch of crap like, See your mother as a victim of abuse. She made the best choices for your safety. After all, if stepdad hadn't been able to abuse you, he may have abused your mother, and she may have died from that abuse, and then you'd be alone with him. Empathize with your mother, overlook her hurtful behavior, and love, love, love her. He threw out some advice at the end about boundaries. Yes, the advice about the boundaries was good, but the poor woman he was talking to had to drink it down with a glass of toxicity. Be aware that he is not a licensed therapist. Not that all licensed therapists are helpful, but at least they should have been exposed to basic child development. A truly helpful professional would know that the letter writer suffered trauma, maybe even has complex PTSD, and needs a safe place to be vulnerable. Please don't listen to this podcast or share your story with the host if you're an abuse survivor. Don't listen to this podcast if you have PTSD and you're triggered easily. Seek out real professional help. Anyone who supports this podcast is supporting toxic, fake therapy, and toxic, quote, help is not a neutral thing. It can cause real harm. Well, there you have it. (laughs) What do you think? First thing I'd like to say is thank you. Thank you for your opinions and for your analysis of the show and for giving me your interpretation of how that episode went. And now here's my opinion. (laughs) So let's get one thing out of the way. No, I am not a licensed therapist. I've never claimed to be a licensed therapist. I never went to college to get a PhD. I'm a certified coach. I have training. But regardless, it's true. If you don't like taking advice from a certified coach or from me personally, then by all means, definitely stop listening. However, is what I'm talking about on the air helpful? In my opinion, yes. Was I exposed to basic child development? Yes. (laughs) Did I know that the letter writer was suffering trauma? Yes. (laughs) Did I know she may have even had complex PTSD? Maybe. I don't know for sure. So I'll say maybe. (laughs) Did I know she needed a safe place to be vulnerable? Absolutely. Did I know she was an abuse survivor? Absolutely. And I've worked with a lot of abuse survivors. So the first thing that came to mind when um, I was reading this is if a plane was going down and the only person on board that could fly it was someone who was not a licensed airline pilot, but he could fly it and land it safely, would you let him do it or not? That's an extreme example. And it is a little bit of a catty question, (laughs) but it's a good question. Because I think it's a little interesting that um, with my history, with a narcissistic, abusive, alcoholic stepfather, qualifies me to some extent to talk about that. Then in my studies and my training, qualifies me a little bit more. But no, I did not go to college and study narcissism, psychotherapy, psychology. I was into IT and technology. I pursued other things for a career interest. I started becoming interested in psychology when I was in my 30s, and then when my first long-term relationship ended and I experienced depression, I learned a lot about myself and had some breakdowns and some breakthroughs and went through a lot and decided that I needed to learn more. I didn't like the way this felt. I didn't like all the childhood beliefs that I was carrying with me and the childhood fears that I was carrying with me as well. I didn't like any of that, so I decided to learn about it and 
up my game, I guess, <laughs> and learn what it takes to get out of dysfunction and toxic relationships and toxic thinking. And I think I learned a lot. And I still learn to this day. So I could sit here and defend every single aspect of what I do and why I do it, and but it, it doesn't matter. Because really what matters is, was the information that I gave the woman who wrote, who had the narcissistic uh, mom, was it uh, dangerous? And the answer was no. In fact, I went to listen to that show again because I wondered, what if what this person is saying is true? I mean, I got to listen to this again. Maybe I was off that day. And I did. I listened to it again. And um, there's one piece of information that this reviewer did not include in her review. And I'm just assuming it's a her. I don't know. It could be a guy, but I'll just call her her. She did not include that this woman wanted to have a relationship with her mom. She did not want to get her mom out of her life because that certainly would have been a different answer and a different approach that I would have given to this woman. Because I'm all about taking toxic family members out of your life and not having to, what she quotes as, love, love, love those family members. If they're toxic, you don't have to love them. And if you think you do have to love them, you can love them from afar. They don't have to be in your life. But you don't have to love anyone if you don't want to. Love is a choice. And it should be from within, not from what someone tells you. I should not tell you that you need to love anyone. I don't tell you that you need to love anyone. And if you've listened to this show a while, you realize that that's where I come from. But that one piece of information should change this entire review. Because if the woman still wants her mom, which she said she does, because if you go back and listen to the episode, it's called, um, it's a long title, Selfish or Self-Sustaining, uh, The Mom Who Wasn't There For Me, which is her segment, and Obsession About My Partner's History. That's one long title. It's one episode. It has three segments. If you go back and listen to that, and you'll hear me read the letter, and you'll hear me reply. And I replied to it from a place of, okay, she still wants a relationship with her mom. So how can you possibly have a relationship with someone who has abused you, who has given you so much toxicity that you can barely even think about them or, or be near them? How can you do it? I'm not here to tell you that you should or shouldn't do that. I'm here to guide you in a way where you make the decisions that you want to make for you. And if you believe that keeping a toxic person in your life is a good decision for you, then I'm not going to talk you out of it. Because that's something that you have to learn on your own. I will tell you how toxic it is. I will tell you how difficult it will be to keep that relationship. But I won't tell you how to live your life. And I won't tell you what people should be in your life, unless they're physically abusing you today, then I say run. <laughs> Just get out. Get out of that relationship. But if there are things that you can do for you, like honor your boundaries around toxic people so that they can't penetrate your defensive walls or your vulnerabilities so they can't exploit you, if you can do that around these toxic people, then they won't affect you like they used to affect you. They might. Toxicity has to have some sort of feedback in order for the toxicity to continue. It doesn't mean that they're still not toxic people in general, but if you don't allow that toxicity in and then you don't respond from that place where you feel that you just got uh, toxified, <laughs> then you are healthier. I mean, how could I possibly do what I do if I viewed people as toxic and nothing else? How could I possibly? Uh, talked to some of the clients that have come to me and told me stories that were clearly them being toxic to other people. How could I possibly see these toxic people as anything more than just toxic? There's no way I could do it unless I had some level of compassion and some level of understanding that they can improve upon that. And sometimes it takes someone else to change first before they improve. It doesn't mean you have to. It doesn't mean you have to change. It doesn't mean you have to change for someone that's toxic. It just means if you want that person in your life, what can you do to have a somewhat uh, civil <laughs> relationship and maybe even loving relationship? How do you do it? 
How can you keep a narcissistic mom who didn't protect you, which is what the reviewer is saying and what the letter writer wrote in that episode, how can you still have a relationship with a mom like that who didn't protect you when you were getting abused? You have to change your mindset. You have to believe that she must have been abused too. So how do you look at an abused person? I'm not excusing behavior. I am helping you access compassion at the same time protecting yourself, honoring your boundaries, because their behavior probably won't change, which means you have to approach them in a different way so that you don't get affected if you want to keep them in your life because that's the bottom line and that's the difference between a, uh, a response that I'll give to someone that says see your mother as a victim of abuse or keep your mother out of your life because she is abusing you there's a difference of course a big difference but it depends on what you want and if you can stay out of an abusive relationship and create a different relationship, it could work. I'm not saying it will work. I'm saying it could work. So in reference to this reviewer who said that I just put more toxic information in this person's life, I don't agree. I think what I told her was spot on if she wants to have that person as her mom in her life. Does it mean I personally would do that? Like if my mom was narcissistic and she was abusive towards me, would I keep her in my life? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe I would take my own advice and show compassion, but it depends if I really need a mom in my life or her as my mom in my life. I'm all about not keeping toxic people in your life. But if you choose to for any number of reasons, then what can you do to make the relationship better? Again, assuming they're not physically or even emotionally abusing you now, because this is what happens. Toxic people are abusive, typically, in some ways. So what do you do? What can you do so it doesn't complete the abuse circle? For example, are you there to react to the abuse? Or are you there to see above that? Are you there to see deeper than that? Saying, wow, that person's coming from a place of pain. That's, I'm not saying you have to. I'm saying that if you want that person in your life, can you see beyond the abuse and go, wow, you're coming from pain. Um, how can I see you now? How can I draw from my own compassion? See through what you're trying to do to me because it can be very obvious that they're trying to do something to you, trying to make you feel bad, trying to hurt you. How can you see through that and see where it's really coming from? Doesn't mean you have to. It just means that if you want that person in your life, that if you come from a place of compassion, and you look inward a little deeper than what they're doing or trying to do to you, then maybe that will help you develop a relationship that's different than you have now. And the big or, you can just drop them out of your life and never stay in touch with them anymore. Sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes we have people in our life that are attached to children in our life or other people in our life. Like you can't go see your mom without seeing your dad or your stepdad. Or you can't go see your dad without seeing your mom. Whatever it is. Sometimes that's just what it is. So who can you be inside you that doesn't have the same reactions, the same fears, the same level of, and I hate to use this word, victimness that you have always had. And I, I say I hate to use that word because if you're being abused, yes, you are being victimized. You are a victim. And you can choose to keep that person in your life or not. It's a choice. And I promote that you should make choices whether you are right or wrong so that you can learn and move on. If that choice is to keep an abusive person in your life and you find out in two months that that was the worst choice you've ever made, then you'll have a different choice at the end of two months. But if you never made that choice, you may never know and you might extend something that's toxic to you that continues for months or years. But you make the choice and you see what happens. In this case, the letter writer decided to make the choice to keep her mom in her life, and that's how I approached her. So back to this review, let me just say one more thing because I could probably pick this whole thing apart, but uh, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, what she says matters because if this were all true, then I would say run, <laughs> but it's not true. So all I want to say is that every time I come on the air, and I've been doing this for th over three years now. 
I come from a place of absolute love and respect for where you are in the world, in your relationships, and I want nothing but for you to have the best life possible. I want nothing but for you to keep toxic people out of your life if possible. I want nothing but for you to be completely and wholly empowered so that you can make the right decisions for you. That's where I come from. That's what I do every week, and there's no sign of stopping. So should you stay away from this show? (laughs) That's up to you. Is this fake therapy? This isn't therapy at all. I'm not a therapist. (laughs) Maybe that's why people listen. They don't get the typical therapy or psychoanalysis that you'd get from maybe other shows or other people. I'm not that person. You're right. I am not that person, but I am definitely not fake. And I feel good knowing that I do provide a safe place for anyone to be vulnerable. And for every one of these reviews, I probably get a hundred thank yous and I'm so glad you're out there. I could tell you to go to the overwhelmed brain and click on about and click on praise for the overwhelmed brain and you'll see a number of people telling me how it changed their life, but I won't do that. (laughs) So all in all, thank you again, PBJ and Play, for writing that intensely passionate review. And I do mean thank you. I'm not being sarcastic because if you really have that much passion for people, especially abuse survivors, then we're on the same side. And if you heard something that you didn't agree with and you think is harmful, then I want to know about it. Definitely, you know, write to me. You know, write to me directly and say what you said to that person was wrong and here's why. Call me out. Challenge me. I don't mind. I would rather be challenged than for someone to ignore what sounds like bad advice. Because if it really is bad advice and harmful, well, geez, yeah, I want to know. (laughs) haven't had that yet although the interpretations are out there just like you see with this review i am a little bit unorthodox and some of my techniques are unusual which is probably why a lot of people listen to this show so there it is there's that juicy negative review is she right am i a bad guy i don't think so but you know listen to the last three years my entire life is on the air feel free to pick apart anything you'd like Or make the choice to keep listening and maybe your life will change and everything will be wonderful. Now that sounds like a good note to end on. Let's finish segment one and get to segment two called Ask Paul right after this. Let's talk about sleep and comfort and, well, other things that you might do on a mattress. You know, like read or watch TV. There are so many options. (laughs) The question is, how does your mattress perform with all these options? You know, it's funny. I never really cared about mattresses until I moved in with my first girlfriend. I think it was like 1992 or three. I realized, oh, I need to get us a bed. (laughs) All right. What can we get for 50 bucks? (laughs) I don't think I'll share with you what we did get for 50 bucks, but let's just say that what we ended up with may have been the direct cause of our breakup. (laughs) I might be exaggerating a little, but probably not. (laughs) Seriously, though, throughout the years, I learned that comfort can add a lot to a relationship. Go figure. And every time I started a new relationship, I upgraded my mattress. So throughout the years, I had a better quality mattress, paying more and more each time. And then I met my current girlfriend, who spent over $3,000 for her mattress. And I thought, now this will be the ultimate bed. (laughs) Turns out quality doesn't always follow a high price tag. I mean, her bed's okay, but I've had better. In fact, let me share with you what that better can be for you. Casper mattresses are obsessively engineered at a price you won't believe. Now, Casper is a sleep brand that creates one perfect mattress sold directly to you, the consumer. That means that the middleman prices are cut out of the equation so that you can enjoy this springy latex and memory foam mattress for, what, over three times less than what my girlfriend paid for her mattress from one of those well-known mattress companies. 
Casper mattress has range in the $500 to $950 range, which I couldn't believe when I first read those numbers. Then I thought, yeah, but... <laughs> but the but never materialized. Casper does things right, delivering the most value for the least risk and investment. In fact, I'm going to prove that right now. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you buy one of their mattresses, they'll give you free shipping. Okay, that's great, but... <laughs> Not only that, they'll let you sleep on it for 100 nights risk-free in your home. What does risk-free mean? Well, let's top off the deal. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll pick it up from your home for free and refund you everything. Now, that is what I call standing by your product and providing the most value possible. I love risk-free. So if you've been thinking about buying a new mattress for those um, extracurricular activities at night, like, you know, using your laptop in bed or just wanting to sleep on something that may transform your insomnia into something else like sleep. <laughs> Visit casper.com forward slash brain and look into what Time Magazine calls one of the best inventions of 2015. Enjoy just the right sink and bounce at an affordable price at no risk to you. Visit casper.com forward slash brain and make sure to use the promo code BRAIN when checking out, and you'll get $50 off today. All right, welcome back. This segment's called Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to answer their question or challenge. Uh, I'm going to read something that uh, somebody sent me regarding a letter that, that I read uh, on another episode. And it's her reply to some things I shared with her on the air many episodes back. I don't know what episode that was. But uh, this is what she said. I'll call her April because that's what I called her on the other show. Dear Paul, I want to thank you so much for discussing my issue on your podcast yesterday. When I heard you read my letter, my jaw dropped and I got so excited. I know you must receive a ton of inquiries and I was thrilled to actually hear you discuss this on the air. I also want to thank you for your advice. My only solution was just to cut my toxic friend off from my life cold turkey. As you said, I may still have to do that at some point if she doesn't stop contacting me herself. But it makes so much sense that I need to stop supplying her with what she is feeding off of. After giving it some thought, I think what I have supplied her with is validation of her dysfunctional thoughts and behaviors, even when it is not congruent with my own values. I think I have done this unintentionally because I didn't want to make her feel bad. By acting interested in the uninteresting, or frankly crazy, things she says, or by giving in when she invites herself over, or by allowing her to complain to me nonstop without taking my advice, I think I have communicated to her that these things are okay with me. I've seen people reject her over and over, both friends and boyfriends, because of her behavior, but I stuck around because... I worried about her handling my rejection. And as you said, that is not my problem. So long story short, thank you for this well thought out solution. I think you are spot on and I feel confident that I can manage this situation and finally rid this toxic friend from my life. P.S. I just joined the patron program and I'm excited to dive in. Thanks for everything. You're truly making a difference in people's lives. Sincerely, um, April. Thank you for writing this, April. This is actually perfect timing. This was in my queue to read on the air, uh, and it just happens to coincide with the first segment of the reviewer who said that I am basically telling the person to love and keep this toxic person in her life. Uh, that's not something I normally say, <laughs> but um, in specific circumstances, it, it is. And in your circumstance, it wasn't. And there was a friend that you had that was very toxic to you. And you said some very key things that I wanted to share on this show because it is something that we can have a tendency to do with toxic people in our life. And I'm going to read it just the way you wrote it. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I told you this in these words or not, but uh, you worded it very well. You said, I think what I have supplied her with is validation of her dysfunctional thoughts and behaviors, even when it's not congruent with my own values. I think I did it unintentionally because I didn't want to make her feel bad. He said, by acting interested in the uninteresting or frankly crazy things she says, 
or by giving in when she invites herself over, or by allowing her to complain to me nonstop without taking my advice, I think I have communicated to her that these things are okay with me. Now, everything that you just said there is so brilliant because it exemplifies exactly what you need to do with a toxic person. I mean, everything that you said is something that you weren't doing. I mean, you weren't doing this. You were, you were validating behavior that you didn't like and it was out of alignment with your values. And um, everything that you said, you should have done differently. I mean, in your words, you should have done differently. And, uh, and I agree with you 100%. Because as soon as you validate someone's toxic or dysfunctional behavior, you invite more of it. You don't put up a wall that says that's unacceptable. I won't have that in my life. And you're going to have to, you know, talk to the hand or <laughs> talk to someone else or talk to me about other things. Let's talk about what we can do to fix your problems or, you know, let's talk about something else. But what you said here, uh, April, was that you were validating her dysfunctional thoughts and behaviors and they were out of alignment with you. That's the key right there is that is that person's behavior out of alignment with my values? Is it something that I can't get past? Is it something that I won't accept in my life? Because if it's something that you can't accept in your life, then you need to do what you can to get it out of your life. Now, if this was a person that you saw constantly and you had no choice but to be in their presence, then you might have to practice harder on your personal boundaries, um, not validating her, um, saying things that she may not agree with, or at least honoring yourself to the point where she realizes that she's not going to get agreement from you and invalidate dysfunctional behavior. Everything that you said is right on. I think you are on target and you did what you could to get out of the situation. And that was a choice that you made that you'll find out how it works for you. It'll, it'll probably be wonderful. It, it'll probably brighten your future because now you no longer have this toxic person in your life. And this also gives the dysfunctional person a chance to reflect on their own life. They may not, but it gives them the chance to because there's no one there validating what they're doing. There's no one there agreeing with some of their statements that may not be agreeable. But you know how we agree with people just to have some sort of relationship with them so that they don't uh, start anything or want to debate or anything like that. So sometimes we agree, oh yeah, that, I get that, I understand. I mean, I, I sometimes will agree with people. I sometimes will passively agree, not like actively agree, but you know, okay, yeah, sure, you might be right. You, you've heard me say that, right? You might be right, sure. I'll sometimes do that so that there's no huge debate or conversation that starts that I really don't want to get into, that I don't care about. That might be something I do. But if it's a toxic person or a dysfunctional person that keeps showing up in my life over and over and over again, then I'm going to have to put my foot down. I'm going to have to honor myself and say, look, I don't have the same values or beliefs that you do. Um, I honor that you have those beliefs, but I don't. So if you're looking for agreement, you won't find it here. <laughs> and see what they say. They might open their eyes wide and go, what? <laughs> How could you not believe what I believe? They may say something like that. And then the conversation could ensue and it could be the deciding factor whether they stay in your life or not. Who knows? But um, what April says here is like, I'm not validating that anymore. I'm not allowing this anymore. I'm not agreeing anymore. And I've had to move on. Great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, April. That's perfect. And I'm so glad that what I said helped. Uh, you did all the work. <laughs> I just gave you some suggestions. So great job. Good for you. I'm proud of you. And thanks for joining the patron program. I hope you're enjoying it. A lot of good stuff in there. But um, let's go to another letter because that really wasn't a question. That was more of a comment. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. This is Ask Paul Part 2. <laughs> this is a long letter, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read you some highlights. A woman wrote to me, uh, someone I've been in contact with before, and she says that she has been in a relationship for four years with a man 
that she completely adores. She loves his creativity. She loves the way they communicate most times. She loves to look at him, and she feels so drawn to him as if fate has brought them together. And she goes on to say that they've had many trials, and um, most of them they've overcome, and the relationship continues to get stronger. However, the main adversity is that he makes very impulsive decisions and does not contribute to the household consistently. And after a conversation about a, a vacation that they were planning, he became upset and went out and signed a lease on another house for himself. She said this was huge, and it's the third time that he's left the family without a sign and out of the blue. She says, this has been very difficult for me. I feel uneasy with the fact that now the children and I have to bear the financial burden that was once on the shoulders of us both. I am constantly worried that he is having an affair at his other house that he calls the office. I felt partially responsible for his leaving in April, so we came to a compromise that we were both comfortable with. He would pay so much a month and some of the expenses, and he would also do some of the housework. And we even had a, a schedule that we put it all together that what days he would do what. But it turns out he does basically nothing. These are all very simple things to accomplish, but he does not do them. He doesn't help with the home and he doesn't provide financially. In fact, he doesn't even lift a finger. I expected equality in both sharing in the domestic and financial responsibilities. I realize that sometimes one of us has to put more in while the other one picks up the slack. However, again, this isn't happening. When I was sick, he didn't care for the children, check on me or help me with the home or make a meal. In fact, our oldest child checked on me and cared for his siblings while he was watching TV and working on his computer. This man actually makes it harder for me to live. Our children are incredibly hardworking and help around the home always. But he, and I'll call him, um, Charlie. <laughs> so Charlie feels that they will always do it so he doesn't do anything. He is cared for like a king. He's fed all of his favorite things. I cook the meals. I pack for all the trips. The children and I clean and put away all the laundry. I take care of every aspect of the home as well as work two jobs to fill in the financial piece he is unable to do for the time being. Our relationship was really improving with stronger communication that was more direct, so we understood one another better. He consistently assured me that things would improve, but they didn't. They only worsened. In fact, yesterday, after a month of communicating the need for his contribution to the home's cleanliness by fulfilling his small responsibilities, it went from talk to argument to excessive shouting to yelling. Then I lost my temper and I threw my keys at him and my children got frightened and my son eventually started shouting and just told us to knock it off. Then finally, Charlie gave me the key and he left. I'm so proud of my son for finding his voice and I apologize profusely to all three of them for the argument becoming so large and out of control. So I have two questions for you. How else could I have had the conversation without it getting out of control? How could I have kept my personal boundaries by him leaving without the fight? That was the first question. And the second question is, I plan on Charlie not living with us any longer. I can't say the relationship is over, but I do know he is not welcome back into our home. How do I tell our smallest child with keeping it an option of us reuniting under a different roof in the future, just keeping the options open? I, I think I know what you're saying there. How do you tell your kid that it may or may not be? <laughs> I thank you for whatever response you have time for. And I'll call you Cindy. All right, Cindy, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I'm going to be a little blunt with you because you're in a situation that um, I find quite toxic. Speaking about toxicity this entire episode, uh, because we have toxic people in our lives. And what do we do with these toxic people? And also, and this is more important, this is probably the most important question. What do we do to allow the toxic behavior to continue? And one of the things that your letter really highlights is that you are allowing toxic behavior to continue. There's no accountability. And this is what I would consider enabling in the sense that when there is behavior that you don't like or don't want to accept in your life and you provide no accountability and you continue to allow it to be in the sense that you don't put a stop to it actively, then it will continue and usually will get worse. And like you said, it has gotten worse. Now, what he's doing from what you described, I would consider manipulative behavior. Because there are a few things that you, you are going through that are signs of being manipulated. 
and one of them is called crazy making or sometimes called gaslighting. When somebody does behavior that gets you to the point of near insanity because you get so sick of that behavior or you can't figure out exactly what behavior that they're doing, you go crazy. Often, however, crazy making is, uh, I hate to say this, self-initiated <laughs> because you start to go crazy uh, because of someone else's behavior, but you let that behavior continue. Now, in most cases, the manipulative person will do this gaslighting, crazy-making behavior uh, so subtly that you won't even recognize it's happening. That's typically where that term comes in because you don't even see the signs. You don't see what they're doing to cause it. So you start going crazy. In your case, I have to be a little less lenient with you because you see clearly what's happening. You see exactly what's going on. You see that he does nothing to help. There is no reciprocation. There is no equity. It is a one-sided relationship. And as I mentioned before, you're enabling that behavior by allowing it to happen. Now, you may not want it to happen, but you are providing no accountability when it does. Now, what is accountability? Accountability is when you take something away or don't provide something to the other person or discipline the other person in some way. For example, if you don't wash the dishes, I won't feed you. <laughs> There's accountability. If you don't help with the rent, I will kick you out. There's accountability. Right now, you have all of this power, and you're letting someone else who doesn't lift a finger take your power away. And I want you to examine that very carefully, because by doing that, you are mistreating yourself. You are disrespecting yourself. You are reinforcing what may be a sense of low self-worth. Because when you know yourself and when you feel worthy, you don't let these things happen in your life. So it may be a case where you don't feel like you're worth more than you are being treated in this relationship. And if that's the case, I want you to figure out when you felt worth less. Was there a time in your past where someone made you feel less worthy than you actually are? Because I know you're worth more than what you're being treated as in this relationship. And there's got to be a part of you that knows that too, because now you are separated. So something kicked in and said, I can't have this in my life. But what else is happening that says, wow, I want this person back in my life? What else is happening there? That's something to be explored. I've done episodes on self-worth. I highly recommend you listen to those. And I've done episode on personal boundaries. I also highly recommend you listen to those or re-listen to those because what you're going to find out is that there are people in this world that will take advantage of the way you feel about yourself. And if you have a sense of low self-esteem and low self-worth, there are people that will take advantage of that and exploit that and reiterate your own thoughts and feelings about yourself. That's how manipulation works, and it works well. That's how exploitation of your emotions work, and it works well. So if you truly do have feelings for this person, remember that you are supporting his exploitation of you. If you truly do love him, remember that you are dishonoring yourself by allowing him in your life. This may be just a subtle mind shift that you have to do to start to reignite how you feel about yourself or maybe change your perception about yourself to look at your life and go, you know what? My life is worth more than what this person is doing to me and how he's treating me. Now, this is very deep. It could go really far back into your past. It could be one of your parents that made you feel less than your worth. It could be an older brother or sister or anyone in your past that did something that caused you to believe that you are not worthy of better treatment, of better people, of better relationships, because you are. So I want you to examine these things, and I want you to listen to those episodes that I talked about, because in those episodes are some key things that you need to do and you need to understand about yourself 
and get through this situation because right now, when you give and give and give to someone and they take and take and take, that situation always, always, in fact, I bet, <laughs> I bet money on it always gets worse when you try to give more, when you try to do more. Maybe if I love him more, maybe if I do this for him, maybe if I do that for him, maybe if I get him a new pair of shoes, you know, whatever. This situation always gets worse because the person enjoys receiving, enjoys taking, but does not enjoy reciprocation and giving back. And when you have someone that, like that in your life and you continue to serve that person with no reciprocal serving in return, you will have a dysfunctional relationship and you will continue enabling that behavior. How do you stop it? You make the person accountable. And then you find out what they do after that. Because if they get mad at you because you expect something in return, huge red flag. It is. It's a huge red flag. But I love you. Oh, they're using love against you. But I mailed that letter for you three weeks ago. They might use these tiny little favors that they've ever done to make you feel guilty. And that's another thing. When they make you feel guilty, huge red flag about manipulation. So, like I said, I'm a little blunt. I'm a little harsh with you because I want you to be in a better space with this. And I want you to know that you are absolutely more worthy than you think you are because if you knew you were worthy, you would not allow his behavior in your life. So I want you to explore that. Now, let me get to these questions real quick. You asked, how else could I have this conversation with him without it getting out of control? And you followed it up with, how could I have kept my personal boundaries without the fight? Uh, probably couldn't have worked any other way. In fact, some people are so good at making you feel bad and guilty and responsible for their bad behavior that there's no way out unless there is an abrupt stop to it. The abrupt stop might be an argument. The abrupt stop might be pointing your finger at the door and say, get the F out of my house. You might have to do something like that because there are people that won't listen and will use everything you say against you so that you get to the point where you give in. I'm guessing that's what he was hoping, that you would finally give in and then he could live his life as he's been living it, getting everything, being treated like a king, getting his meals fed to him, where you're being treated like a peasant. I hate to say it, but that might be how it feels. You're bringing home the money. You and your kids are cleaning the house and you're taking care of everything. He's either a child or an adult. If he's an able-bodied adult, he needs to give equally or as close as equal as possible. Otherwise, resentment builds. And believe me, your kids are going to learn relationship skills from you. They are learning what you allow in relationships and what's right and what's wrong. And they are going to emulate you when you get into a relationship. They may not, but that's typically what happens. They'll emulate you because you're their role model. And what you're doing, they'll go, oh, so that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to feed my partner and work two jobs and... If they don't wash the dishes, that's okay. If they don't clean the house, that's okay. If they don't take care of me when I'm sick, that's okay. You do have to be careful in that realm. So I want you to have that in your mind too, that this stuff is rubbing off on them. And it will be the characteristics in their relationships too. Like I said, that's a maybe, but it's a most likely as well. And it could happen when they're much older because a lot of people look for characteristics they're comfortable with not necessarily healthy for them, if that makes sense. And your question is, how could I have kept my personal boundaries without the fight? I honestly don't think you could have without it ending up as an argument because the argument creates accountability for them. And until the argument happens, nothing will happen. I could be way off base because I don't know the person that you're talking about. I don't even know you and how you communicate with each other. But from how you described him, I would say that nothing will happen until something big happens. Nothing will happen until an argument happens. Nothing will happen until the full force stop happens and he is not going to like it. 
and he's not going to like it so much that he's going to argue with you. And he's not going to make it easy for you to get him out of a very comfortable, happy situation that he's in because he doesn't have to do anything. So I really don't think it could have gone any other way. I think an argument had to happen. Otherwise, nothing would have happened. Just my opinion. (laughs) I could be wrong, but that's where I go with that. Number two, how do I tell my smaller child that we won't be living together, but you never know what's going to happen in the future, whether we'll be together or not. When it comes to children, I've seen this time and time again, the best strategy is honesty. Don't make something up. You can say, we're not getting along now. I can't tell you the future. He may or may not be back, but this is what I need to do for me and for us so that we can live a better life right now. And you're going to get a lot of why questions. And maybe you'll even hear, but I miss him. I miss him. And then you can just be honest and go, you know, I'm feeling things too, you know, whatever you're feeling. Um, But this is the decision I made and what I need to do for us. And just keep emphasizing your love and support for your children. If you feel pain, let me know. You tell your children. If you're hurting, let me know. If you're thinking about anything, just talk to me and be open about what they say. And if they even get mad, I hate you for doing that. Why did you kick them out? You can just say, I know, I understand where you are. Uh, You have to provide that safe zone for them to express themselves, even if they're saying things against you. Because they need to know that you're there for them. Even when they're saying things against you, you're there for them, allowing them to express what they need to express so they can get out of their system. You want them to get it out of their system. Great. They get it out of their system and they still don't get what they want. They might be upset. They might cry. They might get angry, but then it'll pass. And again, you're emphasizing your support, your love, and you're nurturing them, giving them what they need. Whatever they miss from that person, you can do things that will be just as important to them. You may not be able to do those things that person did, but you can do other things. And you can fill them with love and appreciation in the ways you know how to do it. You know, this reminds me of my girlfriend's uh, ex. When they got divorced, he had a lot of money that he could buy uh, her son anything he wanted. And my girlfriend had nearly nothing. And when Christmas came around, oh boy, dad got him everything. And mom had to save up her money and buy him one special thing. And it pained her. It was so hard for her to see him so happy with all these gifts and her getting one thing. But as her son grew older, the presents weren't the most important memories he had. Yes, he loved them. Yes, he remembers them. But it wasn't the presents. It was the meaning he applied to the presents. It was the idea that his mom could only afford one thing and she took the time to figure out exactly what would make him happy. He remembers these things. That's what kids do. They grow up and they experience all these happy times in the moment and you think, oh no, my kid's going to hate me because I don't do what this person does for them. But later on, they see the deeper meaning of these things. I mean, he's only a teenager right now, so he's still learning all this stuff, but he's already figured out a lot of things too. And he's figured out that, wow, mom really cared about me and she did all these things for me. I mean, it was so much easier for dad to do that, but still mom showed me the love and support that she could, even though it was a struggle for her. But I get it now. So they may not get it in the moment or they might, but they certainly take the lessons and the memories of what happened with them. So it's always important to keep showing up even if you can't provide like someone else can provide. You can do what you can do because it comes from a deeper place. Now, I'm not saying this is happening in your life. I'm just saying that if the person that's missing in their life uh, is causing them to have some sort of void, then you do what you can. You keep nurturing, you keep showing up as their mom, and they'll take that with them, I guarantee it. So how do you tell your child? You just be honest. It's not working out now, and it could work out in the future, but I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know if he's ever going to move back in. I just don't know. 
you could say, I'm in the same boat as you. I wish I knew. <laughs> so I know it's easier said than done. And you have to see their faces and maybe see their tears. But they're going to appreciate your honesty now. Because that's how they'll talk to their kids when they grow up too. The truth isn't always pleasant, but at least it's data that they can work with. And their kids can work with and so on and all these generations coming up. So that's what I have for you. I, I hope you can get through this situation. I also hope that you see yourself as I see you and know that you are worth more than this behavior, this treatment of you. Will he change? Has he changed since I got your letter and I'm reading it right now? I hope so. I think this is a process. Change and healing from a place like that can take quite a while. It took me years to get to a place where I finally had an epiphany that uh, the things that I was doing in my relationships was very damaging, very selfish, very toxic. But um, it is possible. And maybe this separation will help both of you see where you are without each other and how you're being influenced when you're in each other's lives and then how you view yourself and what you're doing in the relationship to cause it to continue going downhill. So I hope this helps you. Thank you so much for writing. Send me an update. Tell me what's happening. Thank you again. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Let's end the segment. I'll be right back. Then we'll close the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Casper. Go to casper.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain to get $50 off a high quality mattress at a low price and especially risk free. I mean, free shipping back and forth. Can't beat it. Check them out today. And I want you to go to amazon.com or Barnes and Noble or go to my website and look for The Overwhelmed Brain book. That's right. The book is now available. It is ready. It is going to teach you the A to Z of self-empowerment. It's everything I talk about this show and more all wrapped up and condensed into a linear fashion that will help you get from where you are now to a place of empowerment so that you can live more authentically and really tap into a part of you that you've been wanting to express. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I thought I need to be an individual. So what I'm going to do is you know, grow my hair long and wear a leather jacket and skateboard and, you know, I wanted to stand out. And as I grew older and realized, wow, all of those things were a way to express my individuality and be more authentic. And I felt good being authentic. I felt good being that individual. But I lost it somewhere along the way. And then I finally reached a point where I needed to express again and take off the mask I was showing to the world. Well, that's what this book does. Get the Overwhelmed Brain, Personal Growth for Critical Thinkers today. Carry it around with you. Give it as a Christmas gift. You're going to love it. The person you give it to is going to love it. And it's going to change your life. And finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. Let's close the show talking about gossip. <laughs> no, I'm not going to gossip. I'm going to talk about uh, the idea of spreading information that may or may not be true just to, I don't know, be heard or to uh, warn others about something like um, that critical reviewer did of my show uh, at the beginning of this um, episode. And when you gossip, when you spread information that you believe to be true, I highly recommend that you make sure you have all the facts before you say anything to anyone. Because, I mean, you heard what I did <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. I picked apart everything she said. And, you know, what if some of the stuff that reviewer said uh, was true? The problem was she never contacted me to ask me about it or confirm or figure out where I was going with those things. And there was nothing she did to corroborate her data. And she made an interpretation that was incorrect and created comments in a public area uh, that 
my show was dangerous and toxic to people. You know what that might do? That could turn away people that really need what I talk about, and they could find answers in my episode, but because this person left the review, now they go somewhere else and either find it, hopefully find it somewhere else, or not at all. That's why I think it's so important to get the information. And in this case, if you find that uh, the information I'm giving out could be dangerous or toxic, then write to me, ask me about it. Tell me to expand on something. I'll address it on the show. You know me. (laughs) I'll bring it up and I'll talk about it and we'll see what happens. But in every other case, you know, at work, when you're talking to coworkers about someone else, did you hear what so-and-so is doing? Or even in the elections in the U.S., we just had, you know, Trump versus Clinton. And everyone was saying things about Trump, like he supports gay conversion therapy. I'm like, oh my God, is that true? Should I blindly believe this? And then I would look on Snopes.com and he put someone into position that had thoughts about gays and gay rights and things like that. And there was something about converting those who wanted to be converted, but nothing about a blanket statement about all the homosexuals in the world will be converted through a program. I mean, some of the stuff I read through when the presidential elections were going on was was just crazy and and was scary and i was like is this true is this true and it got to the point where i couldn't read any more i don't know facebook posts i couldn't listen to even my own friends even my own family some members of my family were saying things that were just not corroborated and not true why not find out if it's true before spreading the information about it and so, you know, this is like this is my value system. I don't like putting anything out there that hasn't been tested and hasn't been found to be uh, at least somewhat accurate, as accurate as I can figure out, without doing my research. I mean, I would be afraid to put stuff out there without doing my research or at least not having gone through it myself or not having clients that had gone through it. If I don't have the experience or the data, I, I don't want to spread misinformation. So I think it's so important to be aware of the kind of information that we're spreading out into the world and to just ask questions. Ask the person that you're going to talk about if something really happened. And what about that? And why did they do that? I mean, it's not appropriate in all cases, of course. And I've certainly got sucked into the gossip rumor mill when I was working in you know, in an office and we would talk about someone and I would even do some gossiping. I have to admit it. There were times where I was angry with someone and I would just say, he works so slow. And I mean, I look back and I go, yeah, but those were facts. <laughs> well, I did have direct firsthand experience, but did I say he must be undereducated because he does this and he does that. He does it this way and he doesn't do it as good as I do it. I try not to say things like that someone's undereducated because I don't know. And even if they were, is it my place to push that judgment onto others just to get support for what I believe to be true or what I don't believe to be true? But I want to spread that information anyway. I think this is just a matter of self-awareness. And finally, the last thing I want to say on that topic is that when we talk about other people, especially behind their back when they're not in the room, I think it's important to ask ourselves the question, Would I speak the same words to that person if they were here? When I ask myself those questions about the things I'm talking about, uh, I suddenly have different answers. I mean, this still happens today. I'll I'll talk about someone that uh, maybe got me upset or did something that I didn't appreciate. Would I say the same thing if they were here in the room? And I started changing how I talked about them. And owning that if I have a problem with it, then I should address it with them directly. Otherwise, I shouldn't talk about them to others. You know, unless I'm getting advice or, you know, there's still opportunities to vent, get advice, get suggestions on how to deal with other people. But if it's just pure gossip or pure speculation, I think it's important just to remind ourselves that sometimes we don't have all the facts and we need to get them. So we may need to inquire with them or with others that know them. The whole point is just to avoid the gossip cycle and how it can really tarnish someone's image 
and we, we don't always know if they deserve it. Yes, sometimes people deserve <laughs> their image tarnished. I actually support that, but only if it's true. Only if what they're doing is heinous and uh, unacceptable. Then we can get into, well, who judges that? Who figures out if it's acceptable or not? Whose ethics and moral standards do we use? Oh, that could get pretty deep. <laughs> so let's talk about that some other time. But uh, let me leave you with this. In order to practice being aware and present enough so that we're not just blindly speaking about other people uh, in a speculative way, we need to keep our mind open and step into our power. And you do that by being firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. And if you're always taking steps to grow and evolve, you probably won't gossip that much anyway. <laughs> you are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.